Micah Parsons, you're listening to No Names, All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names, All Game. Today is January 13th. It's been about a month since our last episode. The college football season is over. Uh, the Alabama, Alabama Crimson Tide are your national champions, beating Ohio State in the finals, shocker, shocker, shocker. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host, Pat Calicchio. Uh, like I said, it's been a while. Uh, we've been waiting for hopefully all of our news to kind of finalize. Um, I've been a little busy. I've been a little sick. These are excuses. It happens. No COVID, thankfully. Um, but things are a little crazy. We have news to talk about now. So, Pat, how are you, man? Doing well. I'm uh, two days into a new diet, so I just had my first meal of the day here at 2.22 p.m., very okay. Exciting. Okay. Doing, inter- doing intermittent fasting, you know. I've heard so. of that. I've heard of that. Um, I think I kind of do that just by like nature of laziness of like I wake up later than I should and I'm not a big breakfast guy. Um, but it doesn't have any benefit because I'm still fat. So uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I hope I, you have I, better luck. I've accidentally in- intermittently fasted plenty <laughs> of times. It's just uh, yeah. Apparently, you have to do it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my problem. Anytime I've tried to do any sort of like. You know, it's the new year. Obviously, everyone's trying to get into a routine, do something healthy. I do it for like a couple of days, and I like if I get like one day off, I'm like, oh, ruined. Guess I don't. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter anymore. Well, yes, guess it's over now. Yeah, exactly. So I will. I will wish you uh, best of luck on that. Um, but we've got some news, man. Uh, there are some things going on. Um, minor things happening in the world today, like the president being impeached again and James Harden being traded from the Rockets to the Nets. I don't know if you saw that. Shout out Brooklyn. Yeah, that, that is going to be the um, most talented basketball team with the fewest wins ever. Insane. Insane. <laughs> <That's funny. Actually, laughs> I, I, it took me a second to catch the second part of your sentence there. Yeah, I don't know how, how they're actually going to play. Uh, rumors of like Kyrie just going to be retiring because he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. Don't see that happening. Uh, but it's been a newsworthy day, we'll say that. But we are a Penn State football podcast, so that's what we're going to talk about here. Um, like I said, season's over. We didn't really do a wrap-up of the season. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but the big news, the, the first thing that came up a couple of days ago now uh, that I don't think anyone saw coming is we have a new offensive coordinator. Kirk Shiraka is out. Mike Yursich is in. Um, I did sort of a quick knee-jerk reaction video uh, to put out on our, our Twitter and Instagram uh, the day it happened. But what, are your, what were your initial thoughts, and what, what do you think happened there? I mean, I was blown away by this. I'm still pretty shocked by it. Um, I, I think you were right in terms of it being like a home run hire. This guy, I've heard nothing but like really great things about Yersich. The one big worry is though, is he's, there's no shot he's here to stay. You know? Yeah. Kirk Shiraka yeah. seemed like he was here to be Penn State's offensive coordinator. And even if he wasn't as good <clears throat> of an offensive coordinator as Mike Yersich, it was stability. And, I, I still believe that Kirk Shaka would have greatly improved that offense through the years. It's what he's done everywhere he's gone. I had my frustrations with some of the way the offense worked this season, but I thought, you know, it was somewhat excusable given the circumstances. This is like, this could be as short as one year. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a couple of people say that, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and that is definitely worrisome, but it, yeah, I think the biggest before we'll, we'll get into all of like the reasonings and the, the what we think is going to happen and everything. But um, just to kind of put it all in perspective. So Kirk Shiraka comes in. He leaves Minnesota for Penn State. Similar job, offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. Uh, Shiraka had 
some sort of Pennsylvania ties. I don't remember what, but he's like from that area. Shippensburg or something. Yeah, I think, which actually Yersich has, has this, those similar ties. Um, but, but to your point, that's kind of what everybody thought was, okay, this is, this guy's going to come in. He's going to be our guy. Um, maybe he goes and becomes a head coach eventually, but like he's a guy who's going to bring some stability. Um, and more importantly than like, was he just not cutting it? Was the offense not good? Was, was he not the right culture fit for Franklin? Um, this is just something that Franklin doesn't do. He, he doesn't like fire a guy after one year. I, I can't think of like a time that it's really happened. Um, if you look back, he let, you know, he hung around with John Donovan for two or three years when things were going bad before he moved on. Uh, hung around with Ricky Ronnie before he moved on to Old Dominion. Like he, he hangs on to his guys um, for the most part. So I think that's why this was really, really weird. Um, but to your point, like, yeah, the offense was a little frustrating. I don't think anyone was like calling for Shiraka's head. So no one, I don't think no anyone was like, yeah, no one legitimately was like, all right, we got to move on from this guy. <laughs> like it was a weird season. It was a weird off season. It was a weird year. And like, I, w- I was about to pull up the numbers, but I didn't just because I don't even think that We also put matters. up a lot of yards this season, even though it mm-hmm. didn't like, like we, we were bad in the red zone. And like, obviously that's a big deal, but like it wasn't a horrendously inefficient offense. Yeah, so I think when we look at, like, all right, what was the reason this happened? There's a couple of theories floating around, and I'd love to hear your take on which one you think is maybe the most true or which one you like the most. Uh, theory number one is, like, Kirk Shiraka and Franklin just didn't mesh. They didn't have good chemistry. They didn't have the same visions, goals for the program. So Franklin took this as an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to cut those ties now, move on. Um, theory number two is that Yersich was Franklin's guy all along last year when we hired Shiraka, um, but he couldn't get him, uh, basically. And, and people were saying, like, maybe he made the wrong choice or maybe he didn't want to leave. Like, we, we announced the Shiraka hiring, like, a couple days before Yersich was announced as Texas's new guy. So Yersich started Oklahoma State, has 2019 at Ohio State with Justin Fields as, like, the passing game coordinator. So he's not quite the offensive coordinator. So... For one reason or another, we couldn't pull him out of that. Or he just said, hey, Tom Herman's my boy. I'm going to go down with him in Texas. Um, now, Sarkeesian comes into Texas. They don't need an offensive coordinator or not a real offensive coordinator because Sark's going to probably call those plays. Uh, as you saw, he just did masterfully in the national championship game. Um, so your stitch is on the market. Franklin says, you know what? Screw it. He's the guy I wanted. Sorry, Kirk, feel bad for you, but I'm taking my guy and I'm getting him anyway. And then theory number three, which I've seen a couple of people say, and I kind of alluded to, but I don't think is really, really the truth, is like, all right, this was a bad year. This was a losing year. I don't think Franklin's seat is hot by any means. Like, I don't think his job is is in peril or, or even like on the hot seat at all. But like, there's some people are saying like, oh, well, he realized if he had another slow year with Shiraka, then it would get to that point of maybe – Maybe, you know, you're coaching for your job kind of thing. So it's a lot of theories, a lot of, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of people like to cook up some things. What do you think in all of that? There's probably a mix of some of it, but what do you think is like the most realistic out of all that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of one and two. I think for sure uh, James Franklin and Kirk Shiraka probably just didn't mesh quite well. There, I read a couple of quotes from Shiraka throughout the season that were like, you weren't sure how much of his offense was being put into the scheme. Mm. Um, and then – and not as far as like Franklin wanted Yersich originally, but I think he saw that like him and Chiraka maybe weren't working as well as he wanted. And then Yersich came on the market and he was like, I'm going to have one shot at this guy. I'm going to yeah. take it right now. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Um, 
I, I said this in the in the quick video I put out, like everyone's gonna read the same stats from the same articles. Like I haven't really done a deep dive on your search, but seems to have good numbers. I say home run higher, like kind of tongue in cheek, just because I want to be optimistic and want to be happy about it. Um, but he's got great stats everywhere he's been. Um, you know, he's at Oklahoma State for a while uh, with, was it Mike Gundy? Um, put up big numbers there. You know, obviously had a career year with Justin Fields. Um, and you don't know, you know, as, as the passing game coordinator and off and quarterbacks coach, how much input you have versus the offensive coordinator. And then he goes down to Texas and, and, offensively has a pretty good year as well so you hope good things are going to happen you hope for him to be the guy that will take us to the promised land that people want to come to play for but what are your realistic expectations for let's focus on I mean even just this next year if you think maybe he's a one and done kind of guy which I hope isn't the case like what are your realistic expectations for him in his Penn State career I mean I want him to get Sean Clifford to like the place where we believed he could be after his sophomore season I think that's a really ex- realistic expectation. He, Sam Ellinger had a really great year. I don't think he's really any more talented than Clifford. If he is, marginally so. I think Clifford's probably got a better arm than him. Um, and I, I'd like to see just more efficient. You, you want to you see Penn State be like in the top three in the conference in red zone efficiency. I think that's a realistic expectation. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's a, a bit more succinctly and, and tactical than I would put it because mine are more abstract. Um, the, the, the point about Ellinger is, is interesting because it, I, I didn't even think about this before we started recording. But as you say it, it reminds me of like a year ago. We were sitting here going, man, look at what Kirk Sharaka did with, did with Tanner Morgan. He's going to be able to do the same thing with Clifford. Like, obviously, that didn't pan out. Um, I, I think the question of is Clifford the guy who is the guy is a whole other topic that I'm sure we'll get into eventually. Um, but I don't know for me, it's like, I don't, I don't fully expect him to turn Clifford into like a superstar overnight or even, even like above average. I don't, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but I think, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about all these guys that we're getting back and that are returning. Mm -hmm. Like you've got an offense that yes, you have to install an entirely new offense. Hopefully it's a somewhat of a normal off season. We don't have to do everything over zoom. But you've got a lot of talent returning. You've got a lot of seasoned guys on this team. There are a couple of holes, of course. Um, but I think realistic expectations is like to hopefully have a very quick learning curve and not have that early season bumps in the roads. You know, our, our, our schedule opens up at Wisconsin next year. We are on the road at Wisconsin. Uh, and then we have Auburn in like week three. This is not going to be a, hey, you get to figure it out over the first couple of weeks against a couple of cupcakes. Now you have Ball State and Villanova, I think, are the two others that are, are mixed in there. But Wisconsin and Auburn are not, not going to be two easy games. So, like, my expectations is hopefully that we have some sort of quick ramp up. Uh, he's able to kind of get the best out of what he has. Um, and then for me, realistically, what I'd like to see is at least two to three years out of this guy. Um, you make the good point about wanting to be a head coach and, and other people have said that too, but realistically I'd like to see two or three years and, and him attract that big name quarterback. Um, you know, we haven't really seen that and that's been our, our kind of Achilles heel for a long time. So I want to see us competing for and, and finally landing a top five quarterback in the country, you know, whether it's a high four star, a five star top five, top 10 guy, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the metric is, but we have to be able to land that big fish. Um, it would be nice. And if him, if he, if he's a guy who's going to come in and dip out after two years, I have to think Franklin would have done like his due diligence on that to kind of at least estimate, right? You can't, you can never predict, but Franklin has to expect that he's getting two to three years at least out of this guy. 
I hope so. Because I mean, the absolute worst case scenario is that like yeah. So let's go best does, best worst case. Best case right, is he's so, here for five years, right? Yeah. Absolute worst case scenario. He comes in, doesn't get a full offseason to implement this offense. The team, Sean Clifford, doesn't immediately get it. We start off badly again, and then he still moves on to a head coaching job after one season. <laughs> well, I mean, if, 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 listen, if we're that bad, we're head scenario. coaching jobs is he getting if we're that bad, right? But I'm saying, like, <laughs> let's say, like, you know, we start 0-4, and, and then yeah. we win out. Yeah. yeah he looks pretty good, probably. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, maybe because you, yeah, you're if you're looking for a new head coach, you're looking for a guy who can put it all together. Um, but I don't know. Like I don't know. That's not a huge fear of mine of him like leaving and being a head coach right away. Um, obviously, he's done. You know, he's done pretty well wherever he's been. Um, but like I said, he's he's had you know opportunities to be offensive coordinator and passing game coordinator at these places have success. Like I think for for if he wants like a big name head coaching job, he's got to like prove it again, like sustained somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, uh, Oklahoma state was a great run. I think he was there for like five years or something, but then the one season at Ohio state, the one season at Texas, like you can't just do one, 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 and then, Oh, it'd be a head coach. I don't, I don't know. I personally don't see that happening. Um, but that's my optimism, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I hope not. And I, it's, I wonder how team like other programs will look at it. The one season at Ohio State, you go, okay, he was just passing him corner. He gets an OC higher. That's normal. Mm-hmm. Then in Texas, they're like, well, you know, he was only one year because his head coach got fired. Yeah, exactly. You know, it yeah, was like you're he right, left you're right. after a year. True. Yeah, the only, the only negative thing I've seen about him is, uh, I think it was our friends over at Walk on Red Shirts tweeted, like, uh, tweeted at us, like, behind the scenes, they've heard bad things about him. I don't know. This is me literally just reading a tweet, not – not putting any fact or source to this. Uh, now I'm not even going to be able to find the tweet, but basically saying like he was asked to find another position after his year at Ohio state, which how could that be the case? He led, he led fields to like a 40 plus touchdown three interception year. Like, I don't know why they would ask him uh, to go somewhere else. Um, here we go. Walk on red shirts. The day, the day that uh, we announced it, he said uh, me being skeptical, but can't say I love this hire for Penn state. Oklahoma State fans were happy to have him move on. He was supposedly asked to find a new job at Ohio State, and then the Tom Herman experiment. Uh, based on things I've read, behind closed doors, there have been issues, just my thoughts. I don't know, man. I, I think you're going to hear some things about people regardless. Um, I, I don't, like, especially like the, the Oklahoma State fans, happy for him moving on. After five years of anyone, if you're not winning a college football playoff, you're going to be calling for someone's head. It's going to happen. Like, I think the numbers speak I also, for themselves. I was reading The Athletic that, like, I think that was more of a, what they felt about him early. And then once he got rolled, oh. he was pretty well liked. Okay, good. Well, at least well, that, that's the vibe I got from The Athletic article. Okay, well, let's take that and put that into our brains. Walk on red yes. shirts. We love you. We're going to take your take. We're going to throw it in the trash. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, la- last, last note on your sitch, he just looks like a football guy. Um, I love Kirk Shrek. Listen, I, I actually, for the one year that we had him, uh, I had my frustrations with his play calling, but he seemed like a good dude. Um, but there's something about Yurstich. He just looks like a football guy to me. I don't know why, but I, 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 I got a better feeling of him coming in than I did about Kirk. So I feel bad for Kirk. Okay. Football Hope vibes. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure Shrek will find something pretty quick. So best of luck to him, his family. That sucks. He got fired after a year where you didn't really have a whole lot of control about things, but we are all aboard the Mike Yurstich train. Moving on, um, 
it's a crazy off season, man. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of roster updates. Um, so we won't go through all of these one by one. I am going to just rattle them off just so we can kind of have the holistic view of what's happening. Um, a lot of blogs are doing like roster trackers and personnel trackers. I think 24 seven has one. I think Roar Lions Roar has one. Um, just kind of constantly updating. We have a lot of shit going on. So let's start with uh, guys that have declared for the NFL. Uh, Mike Parsons, obviously we, we, we kind of forget about him because it happened so damn long ago, but he, it's still him going into the draft this year, and we can be excited about that, watching how high he's going to go. So declared for the draft, Mike Parsons, Pat Fryermuth, Jason Oe, Shaka Tony, and Will Fries. So far, um, the only two that we haven't heard official statements from yet are, I believe, Mennett and Wade. Um, Shane Simmons came out. He is not declaring for the NFL. He's just done with football, moving on to other things. Um, but I think those are most of the guys that we expected to go. Um, or are still waiting to hear on. Um, and then the other side of that coin is the guys that are coming back. Uh, we have Tariq Castro-Fields, Jahan Dotson, Jaquan Brisker, and Rashid Walker. Um, so let's start with the guys returning. We'll get to the NFL draft stuff in a minute uh, and probably have many more episodes on that leading up to April. Let's start with those four guys coming back. Tariq Castro-Fields, Jahan Dotson, Jaquan Brisker, Rashid Walker. What are your overall thoughts, knee-jerk, gut reactions, what do you feel when I read those names? I mean, you talked about a home run higher for offense corner. This was, this was the home run of the week of, you know, this, this off season was, we got, I, I, in my opinion, like the best possible scenario of guys returning. Uh, Tariq Castro fields was, I, I, you know, a really good player, but was limited by injuries this year. Jahan absolutely exploded on the scene to the point where beginning of the season, we were talking about if he could be a number one receiver to the end of the season, we're like, we're not even going to, I'm not sure he's not going to the NFL. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, Brisker really came on throughout the season. I thought he had kind of a slow start, but ended up really coming on. I think he got named the third team All-American. Um, PFF, PFF, Pro Football Focus named him first team All-American. First and team. I don't, okay. I don't like Pro Football Focus myself. But I like I that name. I like, I like first team All-American. I like first team All-American. And then continue. Rasheed Walker, I thought was also really coming around. Yeah. yeah, I thought so I the think, whole offensive line was a little slow with you know the new coach and everything coming in the season. But I thought Rasheed Walker got better every game. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, so I actually I put out a, a poll uh, yesterday. I said which of these four surprised you the most. Um, got 117 votes on it. 58% of those said Dotson. So overwhelmingly, people were more most surprised by Dotson coming back, and then 24% for Brisker. Um, for me, it was actually three Castro Fields. Um, when I talk about just like actually who am I surprised that came back, um, I don't like to pat myself on the back because most of the time my predictions are wrong and I'm an idiot. Uh, but I've been saying for a long time, I didn't think Dotson was going and I, I would be absolutely shocked if Rashid Walker went. I had so many people on Twitter telling me he's gone. He's a second rounder. No chance he comes back. I love Rashid Walker. I don't think he's there yet. I think he will be after this next year, but I never thought he was leaving. Um, so for me, it was Tariq coming back just because he's been around for a while. Um, you know, this will either be his fifth. I think this will be his fifth because I think he played as a true freshman, but maybe sixth year. I'm not sure. Um, so he's been around for a while. So I know he missed all of this year, but he still probably could have gotten drafted late, you know, sixth round maybe, um, which is not ideal. But like if he didn't want to put his body through another college football season, I, I would have seen it. I would have seen why he went. Um, and then Brisker, everyone just kind of, you know, like you said, with some of the accolades that he was getting, uh, he was getting some high 
draft projections from like media and sources. I didn't quite see it, but I'm happy he's coming back too. So like, this is, I mean, this is depth everywhere. This is another year of talent. This is, you know, older guys that can help mold this team. Um, we've talked about how the last, hell, probably six, seven, eight years at this point, like we constantly see at least one or two guys that goes early and ends up as a super late draft pick or undrafted. And it's just, it's really disheartening because you want the best for these kids. You want them to go get paid, but you want them to, you know, make the most of their opportunity too. So I think it's huge that all four come back. Um, very, very excited that we get them back. Uh, for me, what I'm most excited about is Dotson. Like having another year of Dotson, uh, Parker Washington, and Keandre Lambert. <laughs> yes, I know you need a quarterback who's good enough to throw to them. I am very, very excited for that receiving core. Oh, for sure. I think we're going to, you know, that, that's going to be fighting for the best receiving core in the conference. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I know, I mean, Ohio State's always going to have a ton of great receivers. Um, we know that. Um, but I, I think those three guys with, you know, another year working together, working with Cliff, if Cliff is the guy, um, yes, they have to learn a new scheme, which kind of sucks. But I think that's just, I mean, just having him back, because it, it seems like every year for a while, we've kind of like lost a top receiver and we've just been recycling, like recycling them for a while. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, when we look at the NFL side of things, um, like I said, no real shocks. OA is the only one that's really, um, you know, leaving early that we thought maybe had a chance to come back. But, you know, we talked about it. if you're getting those grades that are that are high enough, round one, round two, you're going to go. So um, any notes, any comments on those guys for, for the draft? Yeah, I mean, the one I'm really interested in is Owe. I mean, Micah is going to go early first. Pat's going to go late first, early second. Uh, Shaka's getting grades, I think, in like the third to fifth round, right? Yep. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously I'm very interested in where he goes, but it's just like once you get down there, it's just kind of like, eh, who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Owe is the most interesting one to me in terms of there have been – you've seen first-round grades for him. Um, and this would be, you know, I, the first that I know of kid who comes, gets a defensive end gets drafted in the first round without a sack in the senior season. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> now the counterpoint to that is like the one thing everyone knew he could do coming in the season was rush the passer. Mm-hmm. And you say, yeah, you know, 2020 COVID weird, weird season, whatever. And he didn't finish. Um, but he actually showed he was a really good run stopper this season. So yeah. maybe teams are going, well, that's the one thing we weren't sure he could do. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of more like football experience stuff that he didn't have a ton of yet. Right. And he's like, we know he can do that. He'll get to the passer with all those, with that speed and ability. Take a yeah. chance on him. We'll see. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's the kind of the the story that you hear all the time. And and if he if he ends up still being in that first round or, or even early second round conversation, you'll you'll hear that story on draft weekend of this is a guy who only picked up football his junior year of high school. Um, apparently, he was like a big basketball dude. You know, he just picked up football late in high school. Uh, doesn't have a lot of experience on the field. Had a shortened season. Doesn't have the sack. But he's an athletic freak. He runs a four three. He's a physical specimen. Like you're going to hear that from the Todd McShays of the world over and over and over again. Um, but it's crazy. And like, I, I hate saying this because obviously we're pro Penn state guys and we want him to do well. I just, it's crazy to me that he gets those grades. 
I, I don't get it personally, but that's why I'm not an NFL talent evaluator. And I hope he gets drafted really, really high. Um, Matt Miller, uh, Bleacher Report, actually former Bleacher Report. He just left. Um, but one of my favorite NFL draft guys, uh, he just tweeted out yesterday. He said two edge rushers with day two grades I think could be starters. Jason Oway from Penn State and Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. Both have, both have athletic traits of starters. Um, so I think it's like – we need the combine to happen. There's rumors that it might not happen. Um, he, he is one person who would uh, suffer dramatically from no. Oh, yeah. Like most guys can get away with it. Like there's, there's always guys who kind of creep up draft boards from good combines. Like Chase Claypool had a really good combine last year. Um, he's turned out to be a really great receiver in the league for the Steelers this year. Um, but he was, you know, he was graded, at least in the media, um, a bit lower before the combine broke out and got drafted in the second round. Um, Jason Owe needs the combine to happen. <laughs> he needs to be able to show off that 4-3 speed. He needs to show off that physical freakness um, and, and kind of make teams fall in love with that part. Because I agree. I think he got a lot better at uh, playing the run this year. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I would put him, like, you know, above average at that point yet, but I think he got he a lot was, better. He was graded as our defensive line's best run stopper. I, again, I'm an idiot, and I don't know these things. <laughs> Based on my eye test, I think he got better. But again, first and second round grades, is it's, it's crazy to see for a guy who didn't put a ton of stats out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, there I think, honestly, all, all of uh, our top three guys for draft this year would all hugely benefit from the combine. Uh, OA, obviously the most, because he has the most to lose without it. But like, Micah is also an app, like is going to put up crazy test numbers if he does well and yeah. could go like, could end up being a top, you know, they could cement like a top five pick. Uh, Pat is a physical freak. Who I'm sure would put up solid numbers. And, you know, even just his measure, like going in and getting on the scale and weighing in, we're going to yeah. make him look good, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's I mean, very, very true. With, with three good combines, Penn State could, could have three first round picks. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. We haven't had multiple first round picks in years. Uh, we thought we were going to have a first round pick last year and we didn't because yeah. idiot, idiots were sleeping on Utah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do a full, we'll probably do several episodes on the draft. Uh, the draft is sometime in April. Um, I'll, I'm, I plan on doing a couple like mock drafts or some websites I use that I love that I'll put out for you guys. Um, I think we have three guys that are going to go pretty high. I think Shaka is going to surprise some people. I think his, I think his interviews alone, um, teams are going to fall in love with the kind of guy he is, the kind of leader he is. Um, I, I'll put my flag in the ground now. I think he's a third rounder easily. Um, and then, you know, the other guys, there's Will Fries, Michael Bennett, Wade, if he goes, um, you know, these are probably late round, if anything, or undrafted free agents, but we wish them all the best of luck. We'll have more NFL draft coverage for you guys coming up soon. Um, if they I interview almost... the entire Tony family, Shaka will be a first round pick. <laughs> that is... And I... <laughs> That is I the truest statement. That. that is the truest statement you have ever said in this podcast. A hundred percent true. That's what it comes down to. Not only listen, not only do you get Shaka, uh, a great athlete on the field, a great pass rusher, has the bend, has the athleticism, is a leadership. You get one of the best football families in the world. They will be there supporting you every step of the way. Shout out Tony family. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move to more roster moves on a transfer portal. Transfer portal is hot this year um really really hot so we, we had a we have a couple twitter questions to get to um 
Actually, we'll, we'll cover them after we go through the names here. Um, but so far, transferring out this year, Trent Gordon, defensive back, has landed at Arkansas. Judge Culpepper, defensive tackle, has landed at Toledo. Friend of the program, Antonio Shelton, defensive tackle, has landed at Florida. We love you. We're going to talk about you in a minute. Uh, C.J. Thorpe, offensive lineman, has announced that he will enter the portal as a defensive lineman uh, and transfer out at the end of the spring semester. And then Drew Hartlub. Special teams stud, apparently fastest guy on the team, has also just put his name in the portal as well. So those are our transfer outs. We'll get to our transfer ins in a minute. Uh, it's exciting that we have transfer ins. Uh, but let's start with the outs. What do you got on uh, the guys leaving us? Um, I mean, to me, there's only one, like, really big loss. I, you, you see, like, loss of potential with someone like Judge Culpepper and TJ Thorpe. But they both seem like guys that were probably losing their starting, you know, potential at starting spots um and you you can see that by like where did they are they you know where they ended up they all yeah you know you go from penn state to toledo it's not because no offense yeah. Yeah. it's not because you've been lighting up the scoreboard right right uh, the Ju- big loss Judge here is An- yeah god i'm sorry god uh the, the big loss here is antonio um and again you could see it you know he goes from penn state to another premier program in florida um and you know, I think he was a really great player this year um, and is just like a leader on that team. And it's going to be a, a big loss, I think, to not have him around. Um, but he kind of strikes me as a guy, like, I don't think this is indicative of like any problem or him not having a spot at Penn State. He just kind of strikes me as the guy who's like, listen, it's time for a new chapter in my life. Like the same way Shane Simmons is just moving on from football to do other things. Yeah. Like I, that to me seems like the mindset that Antonio has where he's like, I just, you know, it's time for me to do something new. Yeah. I actually like that. Cause I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, and I agree. I think Antonio is really the only notable one here. Um, the only true starter, like the other guy, none of the other guys are starting. Um, Antonio started, had his best year by far. I think he had uh, three and a half sacks, a couple of them late in the, late in the season. Um, and to your point, definitely, you know, a, a locker room favorite. You know, the guys obviously um, love him, his energy. Uh, he's been a leader. Um, and, and we saw that when we interviewed him. Shameless plug. Um, I'll be honest, though. I, so th- there's two things with, with Antonio. Because um, we, we talked about this when it happened, and I was like, I'm not shocked personally. I know you said you were kind of shocked when it happened. I wasn't necessarily shocked because – I wasn't planning on him being back anyway. I kind of figured he was going to go to the draft. Um, and again, at this point, probably a late round guy. You know, he's he's shown that he can play at, at the highest level. Um, doesn't have craziest stats, but but probably would have been a later round guy. Um, so I kind of I kind of mentally had planned for him to be gone anyway. Um, and then when it was when it was transfer. Uh, and I'm going to say this because this is this is the no names all game difference. You're going to get the true honesty here. I love Antonio, love him to death. My first uh, indication was okay, maybe he's going to go to not a smaller school like Toledo by any means, but like maybe maybe someone that's like a little bit smaller than Penn State and just ball the fuck out for his final year. Um, and not not to say he couldn't hack it at Penn State because he clearly could. Like, but I don't know why. That's where that's where my mind went to. <laughs> no, Antonio yeah, said I, I I'm going heartily. He said, I'm going to the SEC. I'm going to fuck shit up down there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's just kind of where my head went. And, again, it's not a knock on him. It's just what we've seen from our transfers historically is, like, guys go to a little bit lower of a school so that they can get playing time, they can dominate, they can, you know, make the best of their situation. But 
Good for him, man. Florida's a great team. They just had a great year, and apparently they have a need at D-tackle, so he's going to have a chance to step in, play SEC football, and make his case for the NFL. Yeah, and just to, like, I, I, that's just how I see him. It's just like, you know, this is a new chapter in my life. I'm given this opportunity of an extra year. I'm going to take yeah. it to give, give me the most experience I can get. Yeah. That's how I see it. I, I think yeah. that's just the way he thinks. I, I completely agree with that. And like I said, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but I think you are right. Antonio, not to put words you. in his mouth, you know. No, but I, but as we sit here that's and think the impression about it, I've Jack, gotten of him. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I honestly like like I said, that's a that's a pretty great place to be. Big name program, gonna have an opportunity to play on some big stages against some incredible talent. Like, yeah, you can play Ohio State and you know, the Michigans or the Wisconsin's of the world every year, but now you can go out and prove it against some of the best teams in the country. Um, shout out to Antonio. We love you. We wish you best of luck. We will be following your journey down there. Um, yeah, we're going to yeah. miss him for sure, but hope he kills it down there. Then, yeah, he's, a, he's our guy. Definitely. Open invitation to come back on, talk through all of that whenever you want. Uh, but yeah, the other guys, Trent Gordon, uh, defensive back who just didn't seem to be cracking the depth chart. Um, you know, we obviously had some younger guys playing. Uh, he goes to Arkansas. Judge Culpepper, all-time name, absolute incredible name. But like you said, going to Toledo, probably wasn't going to be a starter with us. Um, D-tackle, I kind of feel okay about. Um, I think, you know, P.J. Mustafer has the one spot locked down. Hakeem Beeman looked pretty damn good in limited action. I think he'll be great. Um, and then we have a couple of younger guys that, like, you know, they're going to take some time, but like, I'm not super, super worried. Um, and then we'll get to the transfer ins in a minute. CJ Thorpe. I loved CJ. I loved his energy. He just never really, never really figured it out. Um, as, as cracking that rotation of the guards, you know, we had, we had the rotating guards in our offensive line. He never really took hold of one of those positions, wish him best of luck wherever he goes. And then Drew Hartlove, man, this one's, this one's, uh, he's like a fan favorite. A lot of times he's, uh, He's a gunner on the punt teams. He's a, he's a special teams warrior. Um, this guy probably just wants to go play actual football somewhere. Like, I love him, but he probably wants to go be a safety somewhere, play some defense, and get his hands a little dirtier than just special teams. Yeah, don't blame him. Go ball out, man. Oh, fun. man. You only get to play football for so long. Exactly. Yeah, play the whole game. Exactly. And uh, let's flip to transfer in, and then we'll get to our questions to kind of wrap up the whole transfer section. Um, we have four guys transferring in, which I believe is more than we've had transferring in the past couple of years combined. Um, John Lovett, running back from Baylor. John Dixon, corner from South Carolina. Arnold Ebiketti, I think I'm saying that right, defensive end from Temple. And Derek Tangelo, 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 don't know, defensive tackle from Duke. Um, all fairly exciting in their own right. Um, Obviously, Franklin was a lot more aggressive in the transfer portal this year than he has been in the past. What's your takeaway from some of these guys coming in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the two I'm most excited about are the, the two D linemen. Um, obviously, you know, on the heels of a couple of losses, both to the NFL and to the transfer portal, I think to, to bring in guys who have already proven they can start and produce in, at the NCAA level is big. And like, yeah. You know, it's at Temple and the the AAC, right? Correct. And yeah, you know, I, I don't think the ACC is as strong as the Big Ten, but like these are these are kids who have put up numbers as starters at college programs. They can come in and they can play day one. They're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, running back, I you know I've heard nothing. I've read good things about him, 
but I think that's a spot where we don't need a ton of reinforcement. Um, although I did read that he apparently might fit better into uh, your stitches like style than oh, the guys we have right now. Uh, who knows? And then cornerback, I think is, is another position where like we've got talent, but those guys rotate in and out throughout the game. Depth can only help. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with a lot of that. Um, definitely, definitely the, having guys who have played at this level can show they can compete, if not start right away is huge. Um, you know, we look at our transfer ins historically, um, you know, our kicker, obviously Jordan Stout has been fantastic coming from Virginia tech. Um, other than that, we had, we had the one wide receiver, uh, Weston Carr came from like a FCS school. I don't think he ever saw a snap. If any, if any, it was like late games, didn't really see a whole lot. Um, I can't remember if there was any other transfer ins, to be honest. It's probably one I'm missing. Um, but these are all guys who have played. Uh, the, the running back surprised a lot of people just because it was the first one that was announced. And it was like, we have like four running backs. If Noah Kane yeah. comes back healthy, if Noah Kane comes back healthy, you have Kane, Ford, Keziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, and then there's probably someone else coming in as a freshman that I, I'm blanking on right now. But it's like, all right, maybe we don't need depth there. Maybe we do because you saw what happens when, you know, Trini Brown has to medically retire and Kane goes out on the first series. Like, I, I get it, but I don't know if he'll be a major, major factor. Uh, Dixon, the corner, I agree with you. That's it, It's depth. We do rotate. Um, it, it's interesting, though. Um, Cause I think like, I think there's so much talent in that cornerback room, um, you know, especially with Tariq coming back with Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson going into year three with Daquan Hardy coming on. Like, I think there's so much talent. I don't know exactly how that fits in. Um, and then to your point, the D the defensive line guys are huge additions um, losing Shaka Tony and Jason Owe. You're starting defensive ends. You bring in this kid from temple who I think actually has two years of eligibility. I could be wrong on that, um, but that's huge. Um, to bring in someone who can actually play the position, has played the position, uh, to to maybe start across from Adisa Isaac. Um, it, it's just exciting. So some of the questions that we have about the transfer portal, about um, kind of everything going on. Man, I am rambling. We haven't podcast in a while. I forget how much out of get breath it all I out, get. Chris. Get it all out. I'm trying, man. <clears throat> I'm trying. Um, so let's start uh, from CJ Scalzetti. Why has this offseason been so awesome off a bad season? compared to last year, which was a shitty offseason off of a real good year. And then Sweens uh, says, I'm curious as to your feeling of the state of college football with the transfer portal and how Penn State has approached it. Um, and then he asked for some predictions for next year. But let's stick with the transfer portal. So obviously we've talked about this is a weird year. This is a weird time. Um, the transfer portal, I've said it a couple times, it's just a part of college football now and you have to be active in it. But this year is different for Many reasons being that it's COVID, it's everyone has an extra year of eligibility. And I believe, I don't know if it's full blanket um, immediate eligibility, but I think in like almost every case, people will be able to play right away. There's no sitting out a year. So that's why you're seeing chaos this year compared to last year's. Um, but what's your take on, on those questions of, you know, how the transfer portal works and, and is a part of college football. And then also CJ's question about good off season bad season and bad season good off season yeah um i mean like everything in life the transfer portal is going to have positive and negative effects there's going to be guys who it's great for and guys who end up being a huge mistake for Mm -hmm. um but like at the end of the day the way i look at it is coaches get to go from program to program like without penalty and yeah like you know they they have to buy out if they leave their contract early but the next university just does it for them and, like, they can make all the promises they want to these kids who come in to play for them 
and then be gone before the kid steps on campus. So if you, if you think it's fair that they can do that and then these kids are stuck there for four years and if they want to leave because they ended up with a coach who wants nothing to do with them, that they have to, they have to lose an entire year of eligibility. I mean, it's just, sure, it, like, is it a perfect system? No, but it's much better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it is crazy that, you know, coaches jump team to team to team. Um, and and the, the sitting out a year has always pissed me off because it's not, it's not standard, right? They grant waivers all the time for the superstars. We've had that conversation. Justin Fields gets a waiver. Tate Martell gets a waiver. Uh, JT Daniels gets a waiver. If, you, if you're a quarterback going to a top school, you get a waiver. But if you're an offensive lineman going home because your mom's sick or your grandma's sick, no can do. Like yeah, so Somehow that's not a hardship absurd um that being said like yeah it is a part of it's a part of the fabric of college football at this point um i think it needs to be i think it'll be really interesting to see what they do from this year because the 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 blanket waiver this year of like all right you don't have to sit out a year is really just because of covid i'm pretty sure like i don't know if they plan on sticking with that but if the ncaa was smart which it's a big if um i hope they look at this and they learn from it right they do some Hang on. You're back. All right. Uh, sorry, my headphones are dying. So we're actually, what we're going to do is we're going to take them off real quick. Stand by. Um, all right. You still got me? Yeah. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. Um, I think everyone should have, have one free transfer throughout their college career. Yeah. yeah one I, penalty free transfer. I agree with that. But I, I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know what uh, the NCAA is going to do because what they should do is look at this season look at the amount of people that transferred, look at the impact of the transfers on number of scholarships on, um, you know, how many of these guys started or transferred and played. Like, I know it can't be a perfect recipe, but I think they need to look at this year, figure out, okay, was this a net positive for most kids? Did most kids have a better experience being able to transfer this year than not? I think the answer will be yes. And then implement some sort of rule, like you said, where it's okay, you get one, right? Um, so I think that's, I think, well, you know, how we're approaching it. I, I love it. Um, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a double-edged sword, man. I'm a big, uh, and you guys have heard this, if, if you're listening to this podcast, like, I'm a big, I love our guys. You know, I love Penn State's guys. I love following their recruiting journeys from when they're, you know, seniors in high school to when they're starters at Penn State. Like, it's almost, it's almost a little of that, like, uh, all right, you're coming in and maybe you're taking somebody's spot now. Um, so I think that is a personal adjustment I'll have to make. Like Jordan Stout, it was a ton of fun because we needed a kicker, right? It was great. He came in and, you know, maybe we didn't need a kicker, but he provided an instant upgrade. Um, you know, some of these guys, if, you know, if, if John Lovett comes in and somehow starts over Noah Kane, I'm, I'm probably going to feel some type of way about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you wish in the ideal world we didn't need transfers. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, of course, you know, you know, as soon as John Lovett breaks off an 80-yard touchdown run, it would be like, let's fucking go. I will forgive him, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's something we all need to get used to. Franklin had to get used to a little bit. That's probably why he's been not as aggressive. He, you know, sticks with his guys, and he's been okay with it. And now he's realizing, hey, it's part of the game. I have to do it. Yeah. Um, to CJ's question, what do you think about that? Uh, this offseason has been awesome off a bad season. Last year was a shitty offseason off a real good year. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I mean, we had the small recruiting class that wasn't as, you know, great, a little lower than usual. Uh, we, I don't think we had anybody transfer in. We had, what, two 
two guys transfer it's shorter and someone else transfer out played um like, uh, so i mean it wasn't a, you know it's not a net positive off season when yeah. you look at it um yeah. and then our recruiting class for this upcoming is going is a gangbuster so far plus some you know solid transfers in and minimal transfers out um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, so I think some of it's chance there's going to be good years and bad years. And some of it might be Franklin kind of looked at this season and was like, well, you know, we really can't afford to, to not have a great off season right here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's kind of cyclical too, right? Like we have a good year. So why do you have guys transfer out after a good year? Cause they're, you know, they're not getting the playing time. Why did Ricky Slade leave? Cause he didn't think he was going to get playing time behind Bella and the other guys. Would have been nice to have Ricky Slade this year, you yeah. know? Of course, we would have loved that. Um, Justin Shorter, I don't it think... It was like two... Because Ricky Slade was a five-star recruit, too, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's two five-star recruits transfer yeah. out. And I, I, I get that they're not... They ended up not being, like, what we need. Right. But it's, like, the promise of these guys that are supposed to do so much. Yeah. You know, you, you start asking yourself, like, is this a development issue? So... Yeah, okay. That's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, some, somebody did a uh, somebody did a tweet on that. Like, the the ROI that we got from that uh, recruiting class was just not good. With the amount of guys that left early, transferred, didn't pan out. Um, but yeah, Ricky Slade, um, I think, had a fair reason of transferring. Um, shorter, I think, is a mystery that we'll never understand. He played at Florida. He was okay. He had like I think he was like thirty something catches for three hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like. Parker Washington was an upgrade. Um, would it have been awesome to see Parker Washington alongside Shorter and Dotson? Yeah, probably. It didn't happen. Whatever. Um, I think, too, the, the, like, why are things so awesome? Um, this is the first year we're attacking the transfer portal, so that's exciting. Um, and to your point, the gangbuster of the 2022 class, I mean, that's been building since the end of last year, right? That's, that's kind of a constant thing. Um, Recruiting momentum is really weird. You have it, you have it for a minute, and then you don't. Um, and then there's the the balance of kids who look at things and say, "Okay, I want to go to the best team, and I want to I want to play with the best and compete for the best." And kids who are like, "I want to go and help rebuild this team, and I believe in you know you're out of spot. And I want to play right now." Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think there's some of that too. Um, it's it's weird, man. <laughs> you can't predict college football. That's that's all there is to it. Um, all right, let's wrap up. Uh, oh, one more question. Uh, Mark Brower, Brow Cow, uh, have you considered going to a home game together and doing a listener tailgate meetup? Yes, definitely. 100,000 million percent yes, as soon as we're allowed to go to games again. Um, so I'm back on the East Coast. I'm in New York, so I can get there fairly easy. Um, we'll figure out a time where Pat can make it in from L.A., He's a, he's a Hollywood guy's showbiz, you know, those, those Stuff, you know, busy schedule that I have. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, we, we talked about um, not just me, but like there's, there was the whole uh, Twitter community of, of Penn state accounts talking about before COVID uh, making a trip to Blacksburg when we were supposed to play Virginia tech and doing like a mega meetup. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get something in the works for whenever we can actually go to games again. Uh, number two, when is merch coming? This year, I have talked about it. I have thought about it. Uh, we're going to do it this year. My, my commitment to you all and to you, Pat, right now uh, is that we will have some sort of merch for the beginning of next season. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on it. And really, like, the, the, what it comes down to is I want to do it right. Like, 
I've seen a lot of like blogs and uh, you know fan accounts, not even just Penn State, but all, all teams that have like a merch store and not to talk down on anyone because like good for them for putting in the work, but like it's not something I would buy, not something I would wear. Like I want to put out quality stuff. Um, I want to make it things that you guys would actually enjoy. Um, make sure we're you know walking that line of not using like names and likenesses of people, but like being creative. So this year we will come up with stuff. Absolutely, um, hold me to that. Uh, and then finally, uh, Mark says, should I feel bad for laughing in the face of my first period students today who were tired and sad Ohio State fans? Uh, I teach in Ohio. No. No, don't feel bad at all. Um, Never feel bad for making Ohio State fans feel bad. Exactly. Um, all right. I think that's I think that's all we have. Um, we'll wrap up with a voicemail here. To, CJ will take us out. Uh, he left his voicemail about a month ago when we planned on doing this. Some of it's a little outdated, but I think it's a nice bow in the season. Um, we didn't really talk about the end of the season. Anything, uh, anything you got on that one, Pat? Um, I mean, that national championship game was – first of all, I'm, I'm a little bummed we decided not to go to a bowl game, finish 500. That was a bummer for me. Um, that national championship game was absolute insanity. Uh, that, that Alabama team is probably the best college football team I've ever seen in my life. There's I certainly can't think of any, any team better. Um, and the craziest part about that win – was at multiple points throughout that game, I was watching it going, wow, Ohio State's really good. Like, there were a lot of players where I was like, this is a really good Ohio State team. And they got murdered. Murdered. I mean, they looked, they looked incredible against Clemson. Like, Justin Fields looked like the future New York Jet that I want him to be. Um, Justin Fields looked pretty good in that game. He did. He, he made some incredible <laughs> throws. He made some incredible throws. He was getting beat up. It's just Alabama is on an absolute another level. Like, yeah. And Ohio yeah. State was hit hard by COVID issues that game, which did not help. Yeah. But I, yeah. I don't see any COVID issues overcoming that. Right. That I, don't loss. Think, I don't think anyone was beating Alabama. They're, they're too good. They, it's somebody, somebody that, that is, that is, has to be the best college football team I've ever seen. Well, that's the debate going around now is if 2020 Alabama played 2019 LSU, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Clyde edwards alaire who's winning. Um, that would just be a fun game to watch. If we could make that happen. Um, but yeah, it's somebody. Somebody made the analogy on on Twitter today. Is like Alabama is the equivalent of having like an NFL team have ten first round picks every year, <laughs> just yeah. being much much better. Um, so that's a whole other topic we'll get into at some point. Is how to fix college football. But yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. You know, uh, we put out that question on Twitter too. Is uh, do you root for Ohio State because it's good for the conference, or do you root for Alabama because you know you just want to see Ohio State lose? A lot of people hate Ohio State, man. A lot of people are like, fuck them. They don't deserve anything. It's not good for the conference. It's like, guys. It is, but okay. I'm just asking a question, man. <laughs> um, I mean, it's definitely good for the conference, but it's, feel free to feel that way. Like feel said, free to feel that way. I think that narrative is a little bit overstretched. Whatever. I, I, I thought it was a fun game. Alabama is an absolute wagon. Um, I, I hope we get to play in the playoff. That's, that's where I'll end it. I hope we get to a point in the next few years where we are in one of those games. Because um, that's what it's about, man. That's why we watch this. Like, you want to be there. Sure, bowl games are fun, and I love them, but you want to be in the playoffs. So let's wrap it up. Uh, let me see if I can get some audio right now. Um, let's get this. Remembering how to do it. All right, let's see what CJ has to say for us. And this is just kind of his thoughts on the end of the season. This is probably, like I said, 
December 21st, I think he sent this in. So enjoy, CJ, take us out. Hey guys, CJ Scalzetti here. Uh, just to wrap up the oddest season since I've been following this program in the early 90s, I got to give all the credit in the world to the staff and the players for persevering through because after that Iowa game, we all thought they were just going to wrap it up. They were going to have a COVID spit swap party and just bail on the rest of the season. And that Michigan game, they showed a lot. And they finished strong. It looked like the team was having fun. Uh, they were glad they finished out the way they did. Um, so a lot of areas that give optimism for next season and beyond. And I'll tell you, anyone who has an issue with them not playing in the ball games got to get their head examined. What these kids had to go through, I mean, they're not first responders. I don't want to put them up on that level. What they had to go through to get through a season with the isolation, without having any of the fun that being part of a college football program does, all the sacrifices Franklin had to make, and then to go play in some roast beef bowl down in the south, where the other team, who knows, up until a day before the game could fail because they have their own COVID reasons and this is all for naught. Let them end on a win. Let them end on a high note. Let these kids go home for Christmas and enjoy, um, enjoy, you know, going through these notes. Um, moving forward, anyone who can start predicting what it's going to be like next year needs to have their head examined because uh, between if we're even going to have a regular offseason, First off, two, portal, draft, this team can look a bit different come next season. So um, enjoy, you know, the players who play for us. Wish them well if they leave via portal or the draft, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, and then one last note, I'm on the Danny Cannell train of saying that this bullshit playoff is nothing more than an invitational. This committee's a joke, and what they're going to have, college football really has to start figuring out how they need to spread this wealth out a little bit more. Because we're starting to get into a vicious cycle with where all the elite players only want to play for playoff teams. And the only teams they're getting to the playoffs are these five or six teams every single year that they rotate between. And the players just go to those teams. It's this vicious circle where the rich stay rich and we're not able to spread it out to anyone else. And if they really want to preserve the future of this sport, they're going to have to figure out a way to either include more people, make the selection process more inclusive, or what, because this last one, I know it was a goofy season, this last playoff selection was a joke, but love the podcast, guys, happy holidays. CJ Scalzetti, not love the goon. Never a dull moment. All I took away from that is that you need to get your head examined. <laughs> um, Listen. I love the goon. I don't think he could have said it much better. And to be clear, I was bummed they didn't go to a bowl game. I was not upset with the players or coaches. All right? It was – I was bummed for my own personal reasons. Totally understandable decision. Yeah, a lot of good points in there, though, and a nice wrap-up. Um, like I said, I know we didn't do a ton, but I agree with a lot of what CJ said there. You know, we finished the season on a high note. Players were having a little more fun. They had a little more energy. Glad to see them kind of have that and, and be able to go home to their families for the holidays, which was – month ago at this point but um appreciate you cj for, for calling in and we'll dive into some of that stuff in off-season episodes we'll dive into you know what needs to change for the playoff what needs to change for recruiting to to add some more parity across these teams you know that's hot debates on in the twitter world and, and basically all we do in the off-season um so if there's anything you guys would like to hear about in the off-season we'll do some mock draft stuff we'll do some recruiting stuff let us know what you guys want to hear so that we can make um make some fun episodes and try to be more consistent as we always try to do um but i think that wraps us up for our first off-season episode of 2021 pat what else you got man 
uh, guys, tonight or, you know, it probably last night by the time this comes out. <laughs> David, 2019 world champion David Taylor from the Penn State Nittany Lions. Nittany Lion Wrestling Club will be wrestling five-time world and Olympic champion Jordan Burroughs in the U.S. match of the century. Wednesday night on Flow Wrestling. Check it out if you have a chance. So that's happening basically tonight in real time. Yeah, like two hours from now. All right, so when people are listening to this, it would have already happened. Um, give us your bold prediction and basically just like tell us, tell us what happened. Give us, give us the verdict. This is, this is a people, tough one. This, so like, people might think we're time travelers. So all right. What, what so happened? The, this what is happened? a tough one to call because it, it's, it's very difficult to ever bet against Jordan Burroughs. The guy is possibly the greatest American wrestler of all time. Five-time World Olympic champion. Um, however, he's also like 15 pounds lighter than David Taylor. Uh, so it's a significant difference. About a month ago, I would have said that David Taylor absolutely rolls Jordan Burroughs because he's just that good recently. But then he wrestled a really close match with uh, Gabe Dean, a kid from Cornell, and barely won. So I, I just don't know. I think David still wins it. Um, flow of the match is going to dictate how many points are scored, but I think David wins by like four points. So, so there you heard it. Uh, David Taylor won. He beat Jordan Burroughs by four points. You guys are listening to this right now. We are time travelers. We predicted it. It happened. Um, that'd be cool. We'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, Pat's our wrestling guy. Follow him if you want more wrestling info. Uh, like I said, let us know. What oh, first think. match of the season, 16th. First match of the season, 16th. Coming up. That's actually in the future. So you can listen to that. Let us know what you guys want to hear about. Thank you for following us in the weirdest season of all time. We appreciate all of you. And uh, we'll be back soon with some more. We are.